Green Visions is a production of The North 1033 to encourage green thinking and green actions made possible by the Minnesota Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future. And our guest today on Green Visions is Catherine Millen, the professor, or excuse me, a professor of anthropology at the University of Minnesota Duluth, the founder and director of Solar Commons Research Project, and many other things that we'll be talking about today. Catherine, welcome to Green Visions. Hi, Luke. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. Well, we've got a couple of things to talk about. The first thing that I wanted to chat about is the Lake Superior Living Lab. Now, this is something that exists in other municipalities around the shoreline of Lake Superior, Thunder Bay, Sault Ste. Marie, uh, I believe Houghton, Michigan, and um, now it's in Duluth. Tell us a little bit about the Lake Superior Living Lab. Yeah, that's right. We This is a... Um a research initiative that is a Canadian-U.S. Uh, initiative. So we have a grant from the Canadian government, actually, to encourage work among uh, researchers as that are community-engaged in the Lake Superior watershed. So uh, the focus of the research for all of us is the uh, social, ecological uh, work, uh, solutions work, uh, for uh, the the problems that we're in, climate change, biodiversity loss, and um, and this. So this is we share work. The network allows us to share work, uh, to share um, teaching, uh, do things cross border uh, with our students, and importantly, we have as members of this network, we have community members ourselves. So in Duluth, for example, the Duluth Art Institute the Duluth Folk House, um, Folk School, I mean, and, um, you know, the Sustainable Agriculture uh, Program and others. Um, so, yeah, so we are a really four-year uh, since the pandemic uh, group of scholars and community-engaged researchers and uh, community organizations that are sharing our work. Excellent. And when you're talking about sharing the work and these other locations around Lake Superior, are there common goals beyond just the mission-driven goals, but are there specific research projects that are shared? Or do each of these locations have their own projects that are born out of the same mission? Yeah, good question. So right now, the idea of this grant was to create partnerships. So we are building the network with partnerships, finding out what each other is doing in their sites. We have summits. We have mini meetups. We use a lot of online things, <clears throat> um, but sometimes we do go to each other's sites and campuses. Um, but uh, the goal eventually is to have a couple of what we call living labs that are shared, and then we can study uh, the, the differences that occur in each site. Now, this is all about place-based uh, research. So it means that uh, it's not in a laboratory, but it's a living lab. So these are people who are doing things in the real world uh, and also who we're very interested in studying the justice orientation, that when universities and others work with communities, and how do they co-govern the kind of work they do? If they're, both, if they're all about solutions work, um, how do they uh, how do they share the work and um, how how do they eventually, are, is some of the work that they produce able to be uh, transported around the Lake Superior watershed? 
And it sounds like there's a lot of layers that we could dig into on that, but we do have a lot to talk about today. And I wanted to move on to uh, the solar commons and uh, also how it has to do with a particular range city right now, Mountain Iron and Solar Commons. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah, I'm so excited about that. So the Solar Commons Project is a initiative I started over a decade ago and uh, when I was living and teaching in Arizona. So we, this is a uh, a community scale solar initiative and and basically the idea is to to have a a way of of capturing the sun's, what I'm going to call common wealth, so sunshine for everyone. Um, so we will we capture the sun's commonwealth with solar panels, and then we create a legal structure through community trust ownership for that solar savings that the, the host of those panels sees on their electric bill every month. And so those savings, after you deduct all the costs of the, of the panel, those savings can be passed into a community trust, and the community trust can be governed uh, by uh, community members who are working on things that are have to do with the very basic guiding principles of a solar commons, which is very basically to uh, repair the earth, repair the world, so uh, and social equity. So um, yes, so that is the that's the model. It's a legal model, but it also is a. It, we have a lot of tool building that we're doing because in order to do this, you need. Uh, you need to be able to have new tools to help people govern at that community level. And so um, with, uh, we have one interconnected solar commons in Tucson, Arizona. We're building a lot of tools for that. And then we are uh, right now working with LEN uh, in Mount Iron. And LEN is the Minnesota's only, that I know of, solar manufacturing firm. They're having a very big opening, ribbon cutting tomorrow, actually, in Mount Iron. And... Um, so um, Martin Pichartuk, the CEO of LEN, is our partner in this, and we are going to have a 500-kilowatt solar array that is going to power that factory's uh, you know, uh, uh, manufacturing of solar panels. It will be a, a smaller part of their electric load. But with that, uh, LEN will agree in a solar commons agreement to uh, send their savings into a truck from the solar panel and it's amazing how much solar savings there are, Luke, you know. Yeah. Uh, people don't really understand the full calculations of this and what it's going to mean 10 and 20 years down the road. So we have these tools, and it is being sent up on the Iron Range to the Boys Fort Food Sovereignty Group. So they're going to be governing this uh, with other indigenous uh um, organizations that uh, are working on food sovereignty issues here in our region. So that will be for 20 years or more. That steady income stream from the trust will be, you know, uh, helping the Boys for Food Sovereignty Group develop um, in a very steady way their work. And, uh, and again, that is a reparative work on the reservation to decolonize their food system and to bring a healthy food system and practices uh, to the reservation around food. Now, um, the important thing here is that uh, we, we need these, these legal tools and we need um, also these uh, digital governance tools. We have a dashboard we've made. And um, basically what we're doing here is we're trying to show how this energy transition can include 
an ownership structure like this that not only provides solar savings on electric bills of individual households, you know, rooftop solar, which mostly is going to middle and upper upper class um, households. And it also is a different model than the market-based model of utilities, you know, giant solar farms, plantation solar farms that are actually can be a problem uh, with our agric- flat agricultural land here in Minnesota. So a community scale uh, solar, small, our 500 kilowatt system rather than megawatt systems, but also different than the utility models. We're not trying to extract some profit off of the uh, off of the um, wealth that the sun creates through solar panels. We're really letting that wealth, that commonwealth, uh, stay as commonwealth, pay for the system, and then pass on those savings into the community for the commonwealth that they're building for their community. Yeah, and I have a question about the community. So it seems like right now the community is, uh, in a local sense, is there a vision that this would expand to a statewide community and eventually a national or even world community as things would hopefully grow? Right. So, you know, I'm a, my, my area of research, I'm a legal anthropologist, and uh, my area of research is what we call commons. So how do people share things, resources and various things? How do they share them? What are the rules they need to share them? So when we're working at this scale, when we're working with commons where we we want the most local governance for that resource is possible. Um, I'm following here the work of the Nobel Prize economist Eleanor Olstrom. And um, so that type of governance means that we don't want big. We don't want utility scale. Uh, for lots of ecological reasons, and um, we're never gonna, we're not gonna stop utility scale or rooftop scale. Fine, they're doing their thing in a market-based, uh, you know, wealth economic system. What we're trying to do is have side by side this opportunity to work in the smaller scale wealth. So, how will we grow in the United States? We'll iterate. We'll iterate. I want to see in the next five years or so. Uh, t- in ten years, I would say I want a solar commons to be in every state in the United States, not going above the 500 kilowatt scale. So um, we, should, we should be able to see it like that at smaller and larger scales, um, iterable. And then the, these tools that we are building are going to be free open source. Everybody will be able to freely use them and solar, do solar commenting themselves. Uh, the other thing is that there's so much opportunity. Once we build these tools and have them really well tested, um, people will be able to say, for example, on a big array, say at the University of Minnesota, um, and I am uh, working with engineering students on the Twin Cities campus to design this type of solar array of solar commons, where okay, the university has a uh, it has a larger solar array system, but they uh, they have allocated uh, a, a section of that that's going to be into a solar commons truck. And that goes out, and that helps their neighboring communities do their work. So there's several ways that this can iterate um, once we have the right tools. And I think that there's going to be more creative minds on this to help us think of that. But so that's a kind of tithing model, you know, in a sense, uh, where um, we're sharing the wealth. And, of course, you know, we're trying to recognize that our climate system, uh, our water the sun that shines for everyone is a form of commonwealth. It's not just a natural resource that we need to 
you know, produce, you know, that we need to extract uh, profit from. Sure. There also is a model for Commonwealth to be, uh, you know, moved around and flow so it goes back into communities in this way. Yeah. And I want to make sure we have a quick moment to talk about the event that is happening today. What is going on today? In fact, in just a couple hours here, it's starting. Yeah, yikes. Uh, I have to get to the university. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, so at, uh, it'll start at 1130. So we are collaborating. This is the uh, Center for Social Research, which I direct. We're collaborating with the library at UMD to host the Open Access Week's um, theme this year, which is climate justice. And so we are going to start at 1130. It's in room 260 at the library. We'll have Pizza Luce pizza for people free. And um, come at 1130 at noon, we're going to start a series of panelists. Um, There's going to be present and people joining online. And what we're going to be talking about is the both climate justice and open access and open access um, and open source. Uh, These are tools that we use to create a system for scholars and others to share their work, share their work on the Internet, share their work with each other. So it's a it's a kind of uh, it's a very interesting legal model and that uh, universities, libraries around the world use. And this is an international organization, the open access movement that is the you know, that has launched this and is uh, we're trying to help educate the relationship and and show how climate justice itself is related to understanding that we have these kinds of things we share and that we create the social rules that we need to be able to equitably share these things, you know, whether it's the Internet uh, or it's our libraries or it's the, uh, the climate system itself. So that's that starts at noon. You can also go to the UMD, look for Open Week, uh, the open week, what is it called? Open week. I think if you just put in open week, today's date, UMD, you'll see the page and there will be an, a link there, all the information, also an access link and you can join online. Catherine, thank you so much for the time and best of luck with the event today and with all of your ventures. Sounds like a lot of, uh, you've got your hands full right now. So again, best of luck. Thanks so much, Luke. And thanks for all the work you're doing on the show. I appreciate it. Have a good one. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That is Catherine Millen, professor of anthropology at the University of Minnesota Duluth and founder and director of Solar Commons Research Program. And this has been Green Visions, a production of the North 1033 to encourage green thinking and green actions. Green Visions is made possible by the Minnesota Power, G- Power Energy Conservation Program, making progress toward a lower carbon energy future.